everyone, and welcome back to the Lions Den podcast. This is episode number 45. I'm your host, Fede, and I got a very cool guest with me today. Uh, this is a person who is a record holder. Yes, a record holder for something that we're going to talk about on this uh, on this episode. I don't want to give away too much, but uh, I'm excited to have him here with me today. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Mina to the show. Mina, how are you, man? Hi, Fede. How are you? Thank you so much for having me with you. Yeah, it's my pleasure, Mina. Thanks for your time. And I, again, I, I have to let everybody know, like, this man is so patient and, and he was just very patient with me when we were booking this and I had a pretty crazy week, so I had to move it around. But I appreciate your flexibility and uh, for making time for me, man. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, definitely. This is the least thing just for as a thank you for you for all this awesome work that you're doing. Thank you for uh, for thank this you. Uh, awesome podcast. I appreciate that, Mina. Thank you. Um, so let's talk about what it is that you do now. I know I mentioned you're a record holder, but we're going to put that off uh, for a little bit later on in the show. So um, from a, from your professional perspective, what, is, what are you doing at the moment? What is your job? What is your title? Uh, what's what's your current position? All right. Before I start, I want to thank Fadi Rez for uh, nominating me for the podcast. This is... Yes. Yes, it's very important. And uh, my name is Mina. Uh, I was born back in Egypt. I came here five years ago in the United States in 20... 15. Uh, I'm a physical therapist back in Egypt. Uh, I finished uh, PT school 2010 at Cairo University. And yes, I have the doctoral of physical therapy here in the United States in May 2018. Oh, wow. Amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, so that's amazing because I... I Actually, was not sure when it was that you came to the United States. So you came five years ago. You got your education from Egypt, but you got your doctorate here in the in the United States. So can you talk about that? Like, was that hard for you to do being an immigrant in, in the United States? Or did they recognize your education from Egypt when you were doing the application? Uh, for us, we were so lucky. Like the PT school back in Egypt uh, is equivalent enough that we just take the board exam. We apply from Egypt, and then if we come here, we can just take the board exam, and that's it. Uh, so for me, I finished the PT school. It was like 2005 to 2010. And then when I came here, I took the board exam. I took it January 2017. And then I had to take the PPT, the extra, because in Egypt, it, at the time, it was only a bachelor. But now there is a DPT school back in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I came here, I had to take to take the doctorate uh, for my uh, immigration status uh, process. So okay. I finished it in May 2018. So it was a nice process. Like it, uh, it was okay. It wasn't that hard. The board yeah. exam was hard, as uh, the way we take the exams back back in Egypt, it's different than here. And but it, it, it was okay. Yeah. It was okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because the only reason I ask is because I know that some people, when they come here to Canada, because uh, I'm based out of Toronto in Canada. So when people come and they immigrate from Egypt here with certain degrees and certain education, the country here doesn't recognize it. And it becomes really, really difficult for them to actually be able to do what they were doing before. Um, and that's why I was saying, like, it's pretty incredible to hear, you know, you coming in the last five years and being able to do that. So that's amazing. Uh, congratulations to you, Mina. Yes, no, thank you. Uh, yes, the board exam, it's only one exam. It was very, very, very hard. But yeah. uh, it was me or the exam. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> many people, yeah, many people like left the exam and they were not going to take it anymore. It was hard. But yes, it's a must and it's done. <laughs> yes, it's done. Alhamdulillah. 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 Yeah, so let's uh let's hear about this because the reason i started this podcast is because here in and i'd say in north america there's a certain pressure uh or a cultural pressure maybe sometimes it's from the family maybe it's from the coptic community uh, but there's a certain pressure to be a certain career or to do a certain thing in life um being the fact that you grow up in egypt you grew up in egypt you did your education in egypt was that same pressure in egypt as well like did you feel that when you were growing up um, because I'll be honest with you, I'm not really familiar with uh, the physiotherapy industry in Egypt. Is that like a popular career, uh, or did you experience this when you were picking what you wanted to do? 
it is a popular career now and as usual yes the parents always wants wants you a doctor or a pharmacist at least <laughs> <laughs> even in egypt okay perfect so it's not just here fadi our parents came from egypt to here so it's the same so we brought it here with us <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I look. The reason why I thought it would it may may be different here is because I understand when you immigrate to a country and all you want is for your kids to be comfortable. But like sometimes in Egypt, you are comfortable, so there isn't that pressure uh, that you want your kid to be. Not that you don't want them to be great. You obviously want them to be great, but you here you see them pushing their kids to more lucrative careers because you know we immigrated to this country, we work hard, and we want you to be comfortable. But back in Egypt. Some people are already comfortable, so they don't really have that. But it seems like it's consistent no matter where you go in the world. As long as you're Coptic Egyptian, you're going to go through it. No, no. They brought it from Egypt to here with them. So it started <laughs> okay. back in Egypt. Trust me. <laughs> so yes. did you experience that when, when you were going through it? So what happened, like, I don't know if you know this, that back in Egypt, according to your score and high school, this uh will be your uh faculty we go to faculty direct from high school to uh, medicine to pharmacy for pharmacy school or for vet pt school or like from high school we finish by 16 17 uh, back then and then like some sometimes we finish the pt school i finished when i was 21 so it was like pt when i was 21 years old you finish the medicine like you start your uh Uh, residency when you are like 22 or 23 years old so according to your score in high school this is will be your uh, faculty like med medicine 98 percent pharmacy school or uh, dentists uh, dental school like 97 that was back at like 2005 2004 i don't know it's like higher than this PT higher school. than that? How does it yeah. get higher than that? I don't know. In Egypt, it happens. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We 100% needed to get in? That's crazy. Like, maybe 97 now? I don't know, but yes. And then the PT school, and then, like, vet, science, uh, political science, and all, like that. So, I didn't... I wanted to be a pharmacist, but because of... I have grades, I was in the PT school in Cairo University. Wow, that's so very I didn't I didn't choose it. It was like uh like the ladder from up on like up down and then yeah, yeah. I didn't get the pharmacy so what's next is the PT school and then I was happy that it was in Cairo because I am from Almenia and I really wanted to travel. So to travel out of your state it was more in the independency. So I was happy that the PT school in, in there And then once I started and I knew more about the school, I fell in love with it. And till now, I am in love with physical therapy from all what I have done or I have worked at all the places or all the specialities yeah. from peds uh, with geriatrics in nursing homes or home care, uh, sports rehab, uh, orthopedic or uh, neurology uh, clinics. Each one is different, like 100% different than the other one and approach for the patients and even the, like the, the patient itself from younger kids with cerebral palsy and uh, and uh, ath and athletes from Egypt like I used to work for the national team for athletics it's a huge difference from people like they are very strong and people are like the goals for each patient one patient like his goal is to run the 400 meters in in 44 seconds and the other one is to walk from the bedroom to uh, to the living room so it was so beautiful that i fell in love with it and how it was a life experience for me the physical therapy yeah that's amazing and i feel like now that you know we're going to get into a different chapter of your life it's it's sort of relevant that you're in physiotherapy because you yourself are an athlete um So we're going to talk about that a little bit, but um, I want to hear about, you know, your transition from being in Egypt. And well, first of all, you mentioned that you're from Elmenia. So yes. I don't I've never personally been to Elmenia, but I need to hear from you. Like, what was it like moving from Elmenia to Cairo? Like, what was the difference there in culture? 
And then ultimately now being in New York City, like you've you've seen some pretty crazy changes. So how do you adapt to your changes? So okay, from Almenia, I'm not from Almenia, the 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 city. Almenia has like nine cities. Okay. And then I am from one small village of one of the nine cities in Almenia. So when for the high school it has had to be done in the city, one of the like nine cities, it's called Abu Oras. And then I moved from Abu Oras to Cairo. But uh, our church uh, was good enough or was helpful enough that made us travel a lot with the church for being out of the city and out of the state itself and meeting new people, meeting, uh, having friends from all over the country, which made it easier to move or upgrade or adapt with more uh, uh, advanced uh, mm-hmm. areas. Yeah. So it, was, it wasn't that hard because of the church. And uh, I will never forget this, like a favor from one of the big favors of the church that opened our mind and opened our heart to accept and to go anywhere and easily adapt to anywhere we go. Uh, so when I moved to Cairo, it was, wasn't that big a deal for me because it, it was done already that I was move, or traveling already from before. And then I always loved to be in the city. Uh, I'm social, so uh, having more friends, having more uh, accessible things to do, uh, sports or other activities, uh, traveling, all of that, it was easier in the city. And I chose to be in New York City to be easier for me to do all whatever I want. That's why till now, since I came here, uh, I'm still in New York and I love being in New York and it's in the center of wherever I want to go. Yeah. And, and what was the transition like in terms of learning the English language and actually, you know, learning the communication and not just that, but bro, you're in New York City. You're not just in, in any place like the English is barely English in New York City. Like I speak English and I have a hard time understanding people in New York City. So what was that transition like for you? It was we studied back like English back in Egypt as a second language. And then the PT school was in English. And yes, our English back in Egypt is our own English. So when I came here, <laughs> it was not that easy to get it, but at least it was helpful enough to understand and speak. So the speaking was easier than uh, understanding, but with the time, it was uh, much better. And also with the traveling part and studying more here with groups and communicating and for me, I used to do some crazy things to improve my English. Like, I will never forget the Union Square speaker uh, speak out. Uh, it was a mic, open mic. Anyone can stand and speak and people sit and listen and conversation. So I used to go there once a week at least and sit in there, speak, ask and stand and speak and listen. And it was a huge uh step for me to move forward in a lot of things to accept new things and to learn more and more and more so traveling and the study back in egypt was so helpful and also practicing more so i guess now my English is eh, good enough yeah you know to to deal or to work considering (laughs) you moved here you moved here five years ago your english is great we're having a very cohesive conversation like i I understand what you're saying and no it's not that i just it was more about asking because new york itself is tough like that's a big transition for for anybody even if you're from different parts of the states and you move to new york city it's a big transition so for someone who's coming from a whole different culture and country and and i mean you said you you grew up in a village like yeah. The term village is only used if it's a certain small, a certain <laughs> size, right? So yeah. it's got to be a pretty small uh, place. And then you go to New York City of all places, right? The hub of of people in the States. And uh, it's interesting. But you mentioned you love New York and, and you've you've enjoyed it. How have your last five years there been? been there like? is another thing that I have been traveling since 2010. So I came here in the States in 2010 for a work and travel program for uh, three months in the summer. And then I went back to Egypt. I came here also again in 2011 
uh, in Cleveland Clinic for two months rotations during my rotations back in Egypt. And then during the revolution, I wasn't there. And then I came here again in 2013 to the States for uh, courses and then to Brazil for the meeting with the Pope. Uh, by the way, I'm Coptic Catholic. So I was in Brazil for the meeting with the Pope, with the youth, uh, Pope Francis. Mm-hmm. And then I went to uh, Mexico and then I had a sponsor. I went to Rome in Italy for the Rome Marathon and France, Lebanon, Jordan. So traveling also was a huge part to improve until yes. when I came here in 2015, it was way easier. Okay. Yeah. I got you. Understood. So let's let's talk about that chapter of your life. So you, Mina, you're an athlete. Is that correct? Uh, now, yes. I okay. w- I wasn't when I was a young kid or uh, I didn't practice sport when I was young. That's the, like the usual thing back in Egypt. Like I knew about it later. Yes. So, but now, yes. So, okay. So what kind of sport do you do? What's your sport? And, and when did you start doing the sport? Uh, <laughs> I started in high school back in Egypt. Okay. Uh, I, as usual, all of us, we play soccer. Everybody plays soccer back in Egypt. And I wasn't that good, so they usually keep me aside until someone is tired or injured, you know. <laughs> so yeah, I, I used know. to run, I used to run around the fields, warming up the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> then <laughs> I figured out that at the field, even if I don't have the ball, but I just keep running the whole time without getting exhausted. <laughs> so I, like, I was thinking, oh yes, I guess I can run. And then at the high school time, like the glasses of the of the high school was broke and it was very cold. So I used to wake up early 6 a.m. in the morning, do some um, jogging and some pull-ups because I wanted like to be taller, you know, at the high school time. Sure. So I didn't get taller, but I learned how to run. <laughs> that's a good, I mean, that's a great skill set. So, yeah. so you learn in high school that you're a great runner. So, where do you go from there? Did you pursue it more professionally or we don't more have seriously? Second field back in Egypt and in uh, in uh, Abu Ras in Armenia, I didn't see any track and field. We like only if you are very talented that they will take you to the track and uh, see you a good runner, and then you maybe take you to the nationals. Uh, but it's not that common that. All what we know uh, was about the soccer and at my city, like uh, just soccer, nothing like what, 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 what will you be like a runner? What, what, and then what's going to happen? What's your yeah. income? So, uh, I stopped like during high school, it was by myself, just running and like that. And then during the PT school, uh, we had the track of the Cairo University. So me and a friend, his name is John. He was pushing me, Mina, just to go for a run. We go to the track at night and run started like with four like a mile four uh, laps and then every day i pushed for one more lap until i did like uh, 20 laps and then oh okay now i guess i'm qualified to run in the streets so i went out in the streets to run that was like back in 2007 eight and then like i didn't see anyone running like it was weird when you see someone is running in the street it's like it's like oh sarah ada why, why is this guy running? <laughs> I can only imagine. It's like, you know what? One of those things in Egypt, it's like walking a dog. Like if you walk a dog in Egypt, I feel like it's the same thing. Maybe now it's a little bit more normal. But like 10 years ago, if you're walking a dog on a leash, it's like, what? what's going on here? Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, and then 20... 10, when I came here, I gained a lot of weight, so I wanted to lose weight, so I'm going to go back again to my running, because it was on and off, on and off, until 2012, I had a friend of mine, she was from Europe, and she was in Cairo, and she can't run by herself, and I wanted to run, so we used to go running in the morning, in the downtown area, until uh, Cairo Runners started in December 2012, this is uh, a running club back in Egypt started on the social media and you never imagine that people will show up. So the first event, we were like 84 people in the morning. We were like staring at each other. Who are you? Like I never saw anyone running before and 84 people we were running. I was the first one was like 2.5 miles only. 
and then uh, we start like every Friday morning, 7 a.m. There is a run in different in, in a different spot in Cairo, and the numbers start to grow up every day. Like the following week, 135. The following 300. The following 500. Until it was like 3,000 people shows up for a regular run every day, every, like every Friday, 7 a.m. So since 2012, I get to into it like at least once a week, and with having more friends of running back in Egypt even during traveling in and out of Egypt, uh, it started to be more like once, twice a week, three times a week, until 2015, when I started to train for a marathon. Like, I used to run marathons without training. Like, I even I went to Istanbul to run a marathon without training. I went to, I was here in the States 2013, and I ran three marathons without training, just go for running the 26 miles until 2015 when I started like pushing for more training in 2015. Okay, so this wow. is the start until uh, maybe when I started like training for it very very hard. Okay. Okay. Wow. So there's a lot of things there. So did you start Cairo Runners yourself? No, no. I okay. I, I joined the first run and since then I became one of the captains of the Cairo runners and that's something honor, honorable back in Egypt. Uh, be one of the captains, they uh, ask us for uh, uh, updates or or ideas or uh, ask our opinions in different things and that was something volunteering sometimes with them. Uh, Cairo runners is one of the best uh, group of uh, organizers that you, they really follow their heart that they made a huge change in the streets of Egypt now there is hundreds of running clubs and uh, people start to engage into more sports triathlons uh, a lot of different biking a lot of different sports because of the sparkle that started with care runners in 2012 when they like people start to share their photos running in the streets of Cairo and people when they see this, they want to come and join and watch and engage and it was a huge step. That's why even for me, I was always running once a week or on and off until once Cairo started, it, it became a regular thing for me at least once a week with a group and the distance increased, start to know more about the speed, about the distance, about the racing. Uh, Everything is, is, it became different. Training hard or training for a marathon started when I was treating one of the, like the Egypt, it was the Egyptian champion of the full marathon, the distance of the marathon. And I was treating him from an injury and he told me, uh, Mina, you're a doctor, you're a physical therapist with us. It doesn't make any sense for you to run a marathon without training. You are doing very good with the distance. You are running the distance as if it's okay with you. So it will be much better if you train and the, your time will be improved very, very, very fast. Plus, your physical setup doesn't make any sense to do it without because you will be injured very soon. Since then, yes, I told him okay. And he told me that my coach, he would love to coach you. And uh, I, I was like amused with all of this. And I told him definitely yes. I took his number and since then he coaches me like once or twice a week before running a marathon because I do a couple of races, a lot of races, you know, in, uh, like annually. And uh, it was a huge improvement with the distance, with the speed and with the uh, endurance. That's very interesting. So for you, this is as someone who grew up in a place where track and field didn't exist. People never ran, and even towards the later end of your like youth and heading into being an adult and and you know growing up, now we're seeing okay now Coptic runners is start or sorry not Coptic runners Cairo runners yeah. is starting, uh so now it's a group of people who can you know get together and run long distances and now you're you know fast forward there's hundreds of different you know clubs, um but as somebody who you know didn't have that growing up and now you're you have someone in front of you saying. Hey, my coach wants to train you because he thinks that if you train properly, you can compete. Is that almost like a dream coming true for you? Like, is that a conversation that like you never thought to have, but it was one of those like where 
wow, this is a dream for me. Like I need to take advantage of this opportunity. It wasn't a dream more than a lesson, a lesson from a patient. And it was like, yes, it makes sense. And uh, yes, I had a lot of responsibilities, a lot of work, a lot of travelings, and starting for training is a huge commitment. Needs a lot of sacrifice that I will be talking about later. So to take the decision to start training, it is not easy decision. As if someone wants to lose weight or wants to go to the gym to make something or training for or studying for an exam needs a lot of time and effort. That's why when a patient told me this and at the moment I felt also embarrassed, embarrassed that the patient is telling me you're a physical therapist. It doesn't make any sense to run a marathon without training. And it was like, ah, yes. Okay. I, I, I can't say, I can't <laughs> say enough. no. Yes. I can't yeah. say no. If I say no, like, are you, are you serious? Are you kidding me? <laughs> And when I always, when you have not nominated, but when someone tells you like someone wants uh, like to help you or he would love to blah, blah, blah. Yes, definitely. I'm honored to hear, to hear this. And how dare I to say no? And it was a huge uh, step for me, for everything. Like I used to run like one or twice a year races. And then I start to be doing between 15 to 20 marathon and ultra marathon a year because of putting in the work. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So I want to hear about that transition into actually like seriously racing and, and the training and stuff. So um, first of all, I don't know if this is standard, but are there marathons that you're running and are there like monetary prizes if you win? Yes, there is okay. definitely uh, most of the marathon. There is a win if you win, but okay. as uh, as all of us know now that I I started late, so I was yeah. all the way behind. My first marathon was four hours and thirty seven minutes. And what's the sorry? What's the distance in a marathon typically? The mar marathon is twenty six point two. There is distances for all the running starts from the track which is like 100 meter, 200 meter, 400, 800, 1,000, 1,500, a mile, which is 1,600, 5K, 3K, 10K, it's in the track. And then you can go out in the road. There is half marathons, a marathon. There is also one mile, 5K, 10K on the road. And then anything more than 26.2 miles, that's the marathon distance. Anything extra, it's called ultra marathon. The ultra okay. marathon, there is 50K, 50 miles, which is 80K. There is 100K, which is 62 miles. There is 100 miles, 160K. There is 200, 240 miles. And there is races that weigh more than this. So it's according to what distance you, you like and you train for and you do. Okay. So there's different options, I guess, depending on what your preferences are what you're into so how did you figure yes, out what, each what one has its you? own win like if you're on the track if you want to win you will be an elite runner and if you win it will be one of the top of the track runner to win on the track on the races of the track and if you go further for marathons that's more open like there is at least 1100 marathons only in america here in in a year so if your time may be not that fast, but it is fast, you can win. And the win is different from a big marathon to a smaller one. Like a smaller one, they might give you a vouch for the next race for free or a couple of hundred dollars. But if it's a good one, you must be an elite runner that all your life is running to be able to win one of the New York City Marathon, Boston, Chicago, uh, one of those big ones that if you win, it will be like plus the media, plus the sponsors, plus a lot of things will be running after you. That's why there is people take it seriously. It's their own life. So for me, it's not fair to be as a PT. That's my life and win on there. But in the same moment, I can improve my time in the marathon distance, be more fit, be more responsible, be more uh, progressed with the timing and uh, maybe coaching that I can improve my time, which is that what I'm doing now. I'm pushing for more uh, speed on the specific distance, which is the 26.2. This is the distance that I like. Okay. Okay, cool. So 
you broke a record. Um, first of all, I want to say congratulations. Thank Second you. Of all, I, I saw that a record. Um, it was I think it was about a year ago uh, that you broke a record for. Uh, it was the longest distance run uh, within the time frame that you did it in. I think it was ninety three hours. Is that did I read that correctly? Uh, <laughs> yes, but it need to be ninety three hours, Yamina. <laughs> By the way, I work full time. I'm not like it was Friday until Monday. I took Friday and Monday off only. So uh, I work. <laughs> Yes. I need to hear about I, this. You yes, need to tell us I, about this. Yeah. Now, what does it mean to run for 93 hours? First thing the, about the Coptic, not to forget, I put a note on it. The, the Coptic, there is Coptic runners, and it's a group on Strava for anyone who wants to join us and see who is the Coptic runners. It's, I, 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 I like it. I like this group a lot because I see runners, Coptics in Canada, in America, in Egypt, all over. We are Coptic and we are in Strava, so you can follow. We can follow each us, uh, 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 like, uh, and we know who, where you are, where, what are you doing. And if you can see the training, we can see if he is an elite runner or not. Like I saw one of our Coptic runners that he is very, very, very fast. And uh, I'm sorry for the interruption, but this is a very important story. Uh, no worries, man. I was in Atlanta last year in 2020, before the pandemic, and I saw his name running in the Olympic trials for America, which is he ran sub 219, two hours, 19 minutes for the marathon. His name is Joseph Elsar. And when I saw Elsar, I don't know, I know this last name. And I went to the Coptic group and I saw, no, I, yes, that's him. And I, then I went to the, the website of the Olympic trials. Oh, we have a Coptic runner who is running in the Olympic trials in America and this is sub 219 which is no one in Egypt ran sub 219 before even in the history of the marathon history in Egypt and it was a huge step that now I guess he is the holding record for the marathon distance back in Egypt and he was born here and or he came here when he's young and he didn't even know about it so the Coptic group in Strava I recommend anyone to join us and you will really like it because it is it is it is very, very, very beneficial. There is another one, Egyptian runners, that connects all the Egyptians. And this is, I am the one who made this one. And uh, it's one of the things that I'm doing just to connect, uh, like, the Egyptian community. And it is very, very, very good. Uh, now for the Moab. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Yes, it's a lot of information. Yes, if we start, I guess. The, the episode will be ours, but yes, I'm trying to make it short. <laughs> For uh, the Moab, the, I started like in 2015 to do way more racing, like between 10 to 15 to 20 marathon and ultra marathon a year. Like it's a weekend. I travel Friday night, come back Sunday night. I run the marathon and come back. So I start to figure out that I can do distances. I finish the marathon and then the second day is the second day or the third day. I'm, I'm okay. I'm at work. There's some soreness. So I guess I can do longer than this. So I started to do the longer distances and then I did the 50k and I finished the 50k. It was in trails because more than a marathon, I wouldn't recommend running in a road. I, Love it on trails. Did you go hiking before, Fedi? Yeah, I've been hiking. So this is what we run. Like, this is the ultra-running community. We run on trails, like up and downs, for that distance, like 50K, which is 31 miles, or 50 miles, 100 miles distances. So good. It's so enjoyable. Uh, Yes, the start is hard. And then you accommodate with the distance, with the, with the things that you carry when you are running, hiking differently, uh, like different than the hiking uh, gear. The running gear for the trail is different. And I started to see myself doing longer distances in more states, more enjoyable. It is so beautiful enough that it's get, like you get addicted. I did like yeah. 100K in Colorado. Uh, a hundred mile in California. And then I start to travel around the States. And every time I hear more about longer distances, about more people, about more elite runners that they are doing a lot of distances in, in time. Like, why not? Yes. So for this race, I was 240 miles race. And I was sitting with 
two friends of mine here in uh, New York from my church, and I was telling them that there is a race 204 miles. And they know that I'm running longer distances. I told them, but I'm scared. And it's expensive. It was like over a grand for the registration because it's in the mountains. So they told me, Mina, this is your passion and that's what you love. And don't ever even like think about it twice. Click. So that to click on the registration, you are not just paying over a thousand for the registration. You are starting to put a lot of mileage for the training, a lot of mental preparation for the distance. It's 240 miles. There is... On that race, I was 14 aid stations every between 10 to 20 miles. There is a whole, uh, like a tent full with everything that we might need. Water, Gatorade, uh, snacks, uh, ginger, soda, uh, scrambled eggs, pancakes, anything that we might need as trail runners that we can use. So before the 240, I did a 200 around the Lake Tahoe in 2019. And before the 200, I did a 100 mile a couple of times in around the states to qualify for a 100 race called Western State 100. That's one of my dreams that I call, I'm qualified for it already and I'm waiting to apply and to get it done. Hopefully it happens every June. And uh, for the 240, uh, it's, it's a lot of things. Yes, registered, I'm in the list. We are 110 people. There is cut-off time for each aid station. Like the aid station of 120, we must be there before 56 hours. For the finish line of the 240, we must finish it before 112 hours. So every aid station, there is a specific time. It was in Moab in Utah. Uh, started started Friday, 7 a.m. And the cut-off, we have to finish before Tuesday, 11 p.m. Yes, it's it's like sounds weird and strange, yes. But with the time, like it will be like passing on and on. It's it's just yes, it's weird. <laughs> so are you are you running the entire time, or do you stop and like sleep a little bit? Like, what's the process like? Or like, there's no way I can't imagine you're running consecutively for ninety three hours because that's pretty crazy. Yes. So uh, uh, there is. Uh, people that they run the whole time, there is people that they walk fast. As long as you finish before 112 hours, you are good. Because it's a marathon. Like the marathon. The marathon, there is cut off time for 10 hours. So people, if they walk very, very fast, they might finish before the 10 hours and it will be counted. And according to each race, they have their own cut off time. So for this one, because it's on trails and it takes you from altitude between 4,000 to 10,000 feet, in between both of those altitudes, which is very hard for someone from Egypt, Levin, New York, for them it was weird that someone come to run here in 10,000. Are you kidding us? So right. it was not yeah. okay, but as long as we have time, I will just keep going. I had my own plans. I had my own speed. Uh, you run your own race. I was at the top 10 runners until mile 200, until I fell down. Uh, going down the the mount the downhill of the mountain at it was high altitude it was 3 a.m. in the morning I fell down and I uh, fell on my ankle at the mile 200 and I had to limp for the last 40 miles but I will get to this story later so yes 14 aid stations we run between every aid station we stop we eat we drink. Uh, you can stay more than six hours in any one of the aid stations. There is a sleep station that if you want to sleep, you can sleep. Also, you can stay more than six hours. Like there's a chair that you can lay and take a nap. Uh, for me, I always take uh, one cycle of sleep, which is an hour and a half every night uh, to be able to continue because of because of the altitude and because I want to finish uh, the race. For me, I don't have that much time to train like other elite trail runners. I live in New York. I have full, my full-time job and I don't have much trails. So I train on roads. Uh, and I, for the training also, I start to put some trail races before the Moab. Like the Moab was in October. So for the two months prior, I start to put like, couple of trail races in other states that I travel in the weekend, finished uh, like the 50K or the 50 mile race or the nine hour race as training for Moab. 
And it was so much fun that even during the training, I won two races in New Jersey in September 2019 on my training cycle for the Moab, which was like, was so good. And it was so uh, pushing, even if like the weather was hard or uh, the, 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 the heat or the spasm, body high, like anything happens. It uh, was nice stream for that. So, yes, if you first time hear about it, but in the same time, if you run and you hear more or you practice more sports, maybe it would be acceptable a little bit more to hear about it, you know? I actually wanted to hear from you um, about the like the preparation and the sacrifices that it takes to, to run something like this, man. Like, I know that you work full-time, so obviously you don't have the, the flexibility of, of pursuing this training full-time. But there's got to be some sort of sacrifice you make at your level. Uh, and you mentioned it a little bit earlier. So can you talk about that? Yeah. So uh, uh, for this race, just to finish all about the, the distance and the record. So the distance was 240 miles, which is almost 390 kilometers uh, on trail. And uh, there is no one in Egypt who ran a distance like this before. Like the maximum, I guess someone did 100 uh, miles or 150 miles on a stage race in different days. So back in Egypt, there is no one ran uh, over this distance uh, on a, a race that it's a certified race like that. And it was done in 93 hours. I was on the top 10 until mile 200 until I fell down and I was injured and I had to finish. Like I decided to finish the last 40 mile limping. And I will speak about those last 40 mile later on another topic that I will open up. Uh, so yes, that's the distance. And that was, I guess it was like number 60. Till now I ran 72 marathon and ultra marathon in the past seven years. So uh, for the preparation, uh, I didn't have much time uh, in in New York for training for such a distance because for this, the preparation should be at least you have a long run Saturday and another long run Sunday between 30 uh, and 40 miles every day, every every day on, like uh, for two days in a row, like back to back run. This is one of the most important runs. Saturday 20 or 30 miles, Sunday another long distance. And during the week, you are putting at least 10 miles for four other days. Uh, the nutrition, you are training for the nutrition that you will be taking during the trail. And you will be training for the, carry, the things that you will be carrying while you are running. We had uh, a GPS tracker in our shoulder that people can track us while we are running. And we had to carry at least 500 calories with us. And I was carrying two bottles of water in my hand and uh, the thermal blanket just in case because the water was very, very cold at night. If anything happened or I wanted to stop, uh, we usually like we used to be like 10 degrees at night. Uh, so, yes, a lot of preparations, a lot of mental preparation for, for such a race and it had to be done. So for me, I start to put racing more in the weekend instead of uh, wasting the whole week and just for running because I can't put all my week into work and running only. There is a lot of things else that we have to do and make a schedule for other things and not to sacrifice everything, you know. When you feel fatigue and uh, the mental sharpness when you are dealing with situations during running, there is a couple of things that happens while we are running that needs a lot of dedication and you are firm with yourself. Like especially at the mile 20 during the marathon, like we are running the marathon in a specific pace and we want to, must, uh, an example, break three hours. So we have to run on a pace of 6.52 average a mile. At mile 20, it is very hard for you not to stop. So it needs a lot of preparation that I am not stopping. Now, I will finish this. At the speed workout, when we have speed workout at the track training for the marathon, when you have like a mile repeat or 400 or 800, it's very hard like to go for the repetitions, like 20 repetitions between 15 to 20. It is very hard to continue, but there is, must be a, 
uh, a dedication that we finish. When I fell at the mile 200, and then uh, it was the first time to have a connection on my network. So since three days, I didn't have any network on my phone. I fell down. I can't even put my feet in the, in the ground. I can't even step on it. And it was the first time to get this, the, 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 the network on my phone. And I saw hundreds of messages, hundreds of posters and shares from friends back in Egypt and friends in here in New York City supporting and pushing. And that was one of a huge, the, 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 the great things that I will speak about later uh, about running, how this will push us to do things when we hear from others or we feel that others care and we see that others sometimes they care about us. This was a huge reason to stand up and continue the 40 miles limping because at the moment I knew that I'm not doing this for only myself. I'm doing it for all my friends who care and all the people who are watching or following me on the social media not to let them down because they were waiting for great news and they were so happy as well. So this is one of the things that I wanted to add up that yes, it needs a lot of mental sharpness and a, a lot of dedication to keep going. Yeah. yeah, And that's amazing, man. Like it's, it's incredible because the 40 miles is a long distance, you know, it's not like, yeah. And, the, and when you're looking at like, okay, he did already 200 miles for what's 40 miles. At? Okay. It's smaller in that sense, but 40 miles to do that limping on an injury is very, very hard to do. So that, that clearly shows like, exactly how motivational that support is so can you tell us about that like like how does how much does that actually push you forward to have that support and people standing behind you yeah definitely at the start i didn't have that much motivation like even my father my father used to tell me mina you're a doctor you can't do this you can't do this what what is these shorts wear something uh habibi i didn't have that much motivation until he saw my article, uh, like an interview for me on the news and on the TV back in Egypt. And then he started like, ah, oh, yes. So, yes, some people like waited until they see results. But others, they don't have to wait for results. No, they will push you for something that you love to do. Like people used a lot. Mina, yes, we believe we, we love what you're doing and we are following you. And then we, they started to see these distances. And uh, the the number of the races that I am doing in a year, they were like amused and they were so happy and me and I were so proud. And all of this definitely makes a huge uh, reflection on anyone of our friends who are doing any sports. And we, one word is good enough to make them push further. Like, as I told you for the app, I was literally almost like, I was... I was at altitude of 9,000 at the aid station. I can't breathe. I can't stand up. I can't do anything. I'm dizzy. I'm exhausted. Three days running. And I still have 40 miles to go. But some words made me stand up and keep going because at the moment, I'm down. Like, a lot of things makes you down. When you Even when we are training for a marathon for three months or two months, fatigue, pain, you feel that you are lost. Sometimes you are depressed after two months of training and you are too tired and exhausted. Uh, the time, and there is no more time to do anything extra. You wanted to go to gym, I have, don't have time. The sacrifices socially and all of those things makes you uh, like, I can't continue. But there is those things that makes you know I will because even I love it and I adore it. I'm not only by myself in there because there is people are happy and also uh, makes other people like happy and proud of whatever I'm doing, you know. One last thing I, I need to do okay, about about running in general and this thing might like, can, can take a lot of time to speak about but in a very quick, running for me uh, was achievement that, uh, that, that the fulfillment of that I did achievements uh, that I'm making use of my time may be way better than other things that you could do. Uh, having friends, having the support, having my running clubs. Uh, I can run when I'm running. Uh, the meditation while I'm running. The traveling. 
making more friends, making also causes out of running like fundraisings or joining support or volunteering to help others. The life experiences that I'm getting from running, uh, changing perspectives about thinking about different things, like especially like pain, like anything other, anything else happens in my life gives me pain will never exceed or proceed more or be more than what I have gained from running that oh, it's okay this things is okay the endurance to work and to do anything in my life the joy that I am experiencing and I'm sharing because of this sport uh, it it's it made my whole life different and one last thing that I really need to thank my friend Joseph Gendy the one that I met by luck while I'm running a marathon in Long Island, we became so close that we are a family now. We met by luck on a marathon while we were running in the middle of the marathon. I want to thank my care runners team back in Egypt. I want to thank my OSR Orchard Street Runners here in New York and the, the support from them, from all the runners in OSR, which was a huge impact for me here in New York City. Uh, yes. It's a huge thing that's uh, changed my life and all of those I am very, 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 very thankful for. Yes. And thank you for having me with you today. No, no. And, and Mina, with that being said, I just want to thank you, man, like for everything and to give us that authentic and, and really just like real insight onto your experience, your training, the actual race, the overcoming the mental, um, you know, the mental barriers that you come across in this uh, everything, man. I just appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Fede. Thank you. No, it's my pleasure, Mina. And, and have a good rest of your weekend. I know you're spending some time with the family, so I hope you enjoy the rest of that, man. Thank you so much. And you too. Have a great weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Mina. Mina Wagi, the runner. Oh, man, that was uh, that was a crazy conversation. We could have gone on forever and talked about, you know, just in essence, this man, he told me off air 36 states that he ran into. He has 14 more to complete five different continents, 70 plus different marathons and races that he's raced in. Uh, so it's just an amazing, amazing uh, talent and hobby. And obviously the man holds a record. So he's he's legitimate. He knows what he's doing and he's good. Uh, so thank you, Mina, again for your time and for giving the insight on um, that kind of career. It's interesting. I know his career is physio, uh, but we did talk a lot about his running career and uh, and doing marathons and the mental health, uh, mental barriers rather around that. So uh, with that being said, thank you guys for listening. You know where to find me on Momento, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And I'll come at you next episode.